Welcome to the Project Future podcast for people looking to launch and build their own amazing business with me, Rob Kerr. A few years ago, I asked myself, how can people considering starting a business be confident they are making the right decision and how can they improve their chances of success? The answer has become my book titled Project Future, Six Steps to Success as Your Own Boss. A Facebook group called the Project Future Club, where we support each other to launch and build our own amazing businesses. And this podcast, where every Tuesday, a business owner shares their story, including great tips about what to do and what not to do when launching or growing a business to empower you to make better decisions on your own journey. You'll find the show notes and transcripts at robkerr.co.uk. So in these uncertain times, if starting a business could be the right option for you and your family, read the book, join the Facebook group and enjoy the show. Now let's move on to this week's episode. Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Project Future podcast. It's something a bit different this week, as in this episode, I speak with an old friend, sales executive Bryn Emmons, who doesn't actually run his own company, but there have been a few near misses along the way. In this conversation, Bryn explains the value he gained from living abroad and why he'd recommend it to everybody, the business ideas he's had and why it's never quite been the right time to start, what it was like being stupid on his university work placement year, why there's no right and wrong answer about career choice, what we all need clarity in, the benefits of working in different sized companies, what sales techniques a startup can borrow from big business, the relationship between sales and marketing in a small business, what sales strategy is crucial to any business, and finally, why three to five year plans will help you achieve big goals. Bryn's best advice is to understand the impact of your plan and get the timing right. Let's have a listen. Hi, Bryn. Welcome to the show. Hi, Rob. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. And uh, I say it's it's great to have another friend on the show, having spoken with, with Ryan in episode 10, who's obviously a, another person that you know well. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm really looking forward to learning a bit more about where you are in your career and you know what interest you've had over the years in terms of starting a business and where you've got to with that. So uh, for the listeners, if you could tell us a bit about your background and and what it is that you do. First and foremost, I don't actually have my own business um, as as yet. It's something that I've always um, had an aspiration to have. But at the moment, I'm fully employed in the corporate world and actually really enjoying it as well. So I work in software sales. I've been working in, in sort of IT sales for at least 15 years now. So, um, yeah, a bit of, bit of experience there. I actually met you, Rob, obviously, as you know, on on our internship at IBM um, back in 2004, um, the good old days yes. um, where, where we worked in the PC division of IBM before it got sold off um, to Lenovo. That's an interesting point because you actually got chupied, didn't you, during your placement year? I did, yes. So I, I did the first half with IBM and the second half with um, Lenovo as a Chinese company, um, which was a really interesting experience. And it was a great experience for an internship in many respects because um, it, it gave me a um, basis to, to do my dissertation for my uh, university work, which was um, which was really useful. 
and uh, essentially yeah that was my sort of first taste of of the corporate world and and really enjoyed it and it was also my first sort of introduction to um sales i worked with a, a great team in the uk channel sales and uh, my manager a lady called camille Alif, was the was the one that suggested that you know this is something that i could do longer term and it, it can be quite a lucrative career path if um if that's what i i chose to do so yeah, I mean, very briefly after graduating, I actually decided I didn't want to go straight into the corporate world, and I wanted to do something different and see a bit of the world. I was keen not to rack up any more debt than than I than I'd already accrued at university. So I applied for a, a job teaching English as a foreign language for um for Japanese um students on on what's called the Japan uh, the JET program which is the Japanese exchange and teaching program moved over to Japan for 2 years and lived in a really remote location in the in the mountains where my nearest other foreign person was about a 40 minute drive away I was stuck in a really snowy uh, village called Tadami, um, which for sort of five, six months of the year was just covered in two meters of snow or so. <laughs> so yeah, amazing experience. Um, and, and that's where I met my, my well, she's now my wife, uh, Tracy, and uh, she was on the same program. So we met at one of the kind of uh, conferences and yeah, she, she was actually nearly a three hour drive away from me um but as i said there weren't many many sort of other people that i could communicate really well with <laughs> um and and she was from australia originally so after japan i i moved to australia very keen to um get back into the sort of career um prospects so um started uh, working for a, a relatively small company um but in it sales again did about 3 years there and it's a great uh, foundation yeah. for you though J- just to jump in there Bryn it's, it's a great foundation for you though having had that of, of course the the university experience the experience that we shared at IBM and then moving forwards and you know having that time out and having a completely different life experience in Japan before then then getting into into your career so if if there's any younger people listening you know would you would would you recommend that as a as a career choice as a, as a path to do something like that after university yeah absolutely i would um i would really recommend anyone um whatever whatever their sort of experiences and their journeys i i really think live uh, a period of living abroad is just completely eye-opening um and and is a great basis for any career really because it allows you to see different cultures different ways of doing things um and i really do think it allows um you to kind of see different perspectives which is actually really really crucial for me in my sales role to be able to kind of put myself in the the customer's shoes so to speak is 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 really really critical I'd certainly recommend that, and and in fact, I know your your final questions. That was probably going to be my answer to <laughs> would, would be to um yeah people to experience living abroad. I think is is a really big tip that I would I would give anyone. Yeah, excellent. Well, we'll come to that a bit later on, of course. Yeah. But I, I think in terms of the there can be expectations. I think after university to go straight into a, a career and not to be left behind or not to miss out on things that, that peers are doing or, or to do something that may not be seen as being academic or 
career building in, in a very direct way. But I, I think I agree with you. And, and I think those experiences can add huge value, you know, in, and I'm, I'm fairly disappointed I didn't do it myself you know, <laughs> when I had that opportunity. And, and I think although those experiences won't necessarily be of value for all hiring managers down the line, they will be for some. And, and I think that's a really key point for, for, for younger listeners is that you don't have to, you know, make choices that will, will be of value to everybody or, or will be the, the choice of everybody but there, there will be hiring managers out there I dare say you know of a similar experience to you Bryn that would sort of see a younger person that's gone through that route and gone down that and go yes that th- these are going to be the, the person for me yeah absolutely I completely agree and um you know everyone has a different journey um and a, and a different route to where they get to um and i don't think there's any right or wrong answer and i think my move abroad definitely had its potential negatives as well i mean in some respects when i came back to the uk i i kind of felt like i was starting again and in many respects i i did start again because i i went on to the ibm graduate scheme as um uh, you know, I was five years after graduating, which which seems a bit obscure um, to a lot of people. But within the class, um, uh, the the graduate class that I joined, there was a good friend of mine who um, had been a teacher for about eight years before coming on to the graduate program, and there was another guy who had been an actor for for nearly forty. Uh, sorry, not he was he was in his forties. Um, and he had been an actor for over 20 years. He actually did then go back to university. So he was a fresh graduate, but he had, you know, he was a fresh graduate at 40, I think he was 41 or 42. So there's no right or wrong answer to careers in either the corporate world or the kind of entrepreneur world, in, in my opinion. Um, it's just getting some clarity about what works for you and, and what is the right path for you. And, and being a bit cognizant about it as well, because I think uh, for myself, much of my sort of early early years were were kind of drifting and not too focused on on what I wanted to do. So um, it, potentially, you know, you end up wasting a little bit of time um, where you could be building for the future. But you know, at the same time, again there's nothing wrong with that because it, it was probably what I needed at the time to kind of work out what I wanted to do. So, yeah. It takes time to make big decisions and to make the right decisions. You know, it's, it's not necessarily a straightforward thing. And it's especially when you're, when you're younger to work out which path to go down, I, I think that can be a real, a real challenge. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, taking time out is, is not necessarily a, a, a bad thing. Um, as long as when you come out the other side, there is that clarity and there is that drive to to, to progress. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and um, you know that that sort of um, I, I guess moving on to where where I am now, I, I suppose um, when I was in Australia, um, I'd been away from home for for nearly five years, and and probably a key turning point. A really good friend and colleague of mine in Australia, his his dad was almost at the exact same age um, as my dad and was fit and healthy and all well and just one day dropped dead from a heart attack um and it it made me really think about how long I'd been away from home what kind of I was doing I as I said I was working for a relatively small company which they were sponsoring my my work visa over in Australia the fantastic company I got on really well with the CEO and the owners but the um 
uh, effectively my career was sort of limited by having that visa sponsored by the company and there wasn't much room for growth um, and I'd, I'd always sort of thought I'd want to go back to IBM after our internship so I decided to apply for the for the graduate program from Australia and, and basically made plans to move back to the UK and then shortly after I got back to the UK went through the kind of assessment centres and got rolled back on the graduate program and worked for IBM for about five years um, and then I actually took a, a redundancy package from IBM Moved to a couple of different partners, um, did about 18 months in each of those roles. And then three years ago, moved to SAPs and um, have, have worked there. So I've had a reasonable experience of very big corporates in IBM and SAP and also um, sort of very small um, organizations. Uh, the one I did a comment with only had 12 employees and then... Um, a couple in between where there was sort of five six hundred employees um so yeah I've sort of um and the one in Australia had 50 or 60 employees so um yeah it's I've I've seen a, a fair scope of um of different organizations size and and types but it's it's all predominantly been around um IT and and latterly very much software focused so yeah, and I think that variety really helps, doesn't it, to get clarity of the of the overall perspective and to to, to understand what's out there, um, and also to to really capture, you know, how the different ways of working and you know how these different partners and and things interact as part of the whole journey. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think um, you know, there's there's a lot of challenges at different sizes of organization and you know when you're when you're starting off I, I've got friends that have got uh, small startups and you know it's one or two people there's real challenges with that and then you start growing and you, you take people on and you get to sort of 10 12 people and there's challenges there when you hit 50 there's another big challenge and then you know when you in these five six hundred people you know you're you're juggling all different types of, of of issues and then obviously the the international corporations like IBM and SAP I mean they're they're juggernauts and it's it's uh, very difficult to maintain the agility that you need to succeed as well when you get um, to that size but obviously they've they've found ways because they are um, successful organizations so yeah I, I've really really enjoyed my my career path I as in many ways I wouldn't change anything because everything sort of led to where I am now very much enjoying the career at the moment excellent and as I say in, in, in that point uh, I think it's really interesting about the agility and how how challenging it is for for big companies to to achieve that and to and to turn quickly you know they are they are a tanker in many respects aren't they you know and it's it's, it's difficult to to turn or to change path but when we were there and the decision was made to sell the PC division to, to Lenovo and just become a software-focused company, um, or mainly a software-focused company, that was a huge thing. And that had huge repercussions for the staff you know, across the company at the time. Yeah, absolutely. And it was, I think as an intern, you probably don't fully appreciate how big an impact these changes have on on people's lives when it's their full-time job it's their career and it's also their means of of living and you know there, there was there was real shock and real concern for the employees that um 
you know they get told one morning and I can remember exactly where I was like when we when we had the all hands call at nine o'clock in the morning that it was it was being sold to a Chinese company it's going to be a massive change of of culture and style and then the our um our uk M, md was um on on the bbc news that day um and i can remember the amount of kind of rumors and and questions and everything that go, that go on for days and days and weeks usually and yeah i mean it was a fascinating time to be there and as i said it um was the basis for my sort of 15,000 word um dissertation so i did a lot of research about how it impacted the the sales teams in the UK in particular it was yeah fascinating for me but obviously very um it was challenging times for the the people that that um were working there and there was a reasonable number of redundancies and those types of things on the back of it as well so these these big decisions generally happen very very quickly and then the fallout takes quite a long time before the the dust really settles and people know exactly what's happening so um yeah yeah indeed and uh yeah I, so i was a, a bystander to much of it uh because my team weren't impacted by it they stayed within ibm yeah but, but yes it was uh it was it was a hugely challenging time and and indeed was the basis for my dissertation on resistance to change so right it's, it's, yeah. Yeah, it's a really interesting period for us as as kind of 21 year olds yeah, yeah. <laughs> going, going back early in our careers so yeah um, so uh, it's fascinating what everything that you've you've said and how how your career's developed and how you know you've had that variety of experience. But what's your experience been of, of thinking about becoming your own boss over the years? Yeah, so it's a really good question. I mean, it's it's something that I've always had an ambition to do. Um, I guess it, it originally started when I was I studied business studies at school, um, and uh, I think it was when I was fifteen. Um, we did a project on the young entrepreneurship scheme, um, and we we essentially formed teams of four. We had to create a um, a business for a term, and we had to create it, we had to brand it, we had to think of a product, launch it, and and sell those products as well. And and we had to use our own funding. And uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. We we ended up with a team of four of us, and you know. A, couple of people that I'm still really good friends with uh, we sold CD clocks so we we bought kind of the clock mechanisms on from a wholesale distributor and uh, essentially spray painted the backs of some CDs and used the the shiny surface with some transfers to make a clock face and we were we were quite successful with it and we we felt like we had a really good product and we sold them for about 5 5 pounds each i think we were making about 1 pound 50 or ish um profit per per cd and you know we i think we made about two or three hundred pounds profit overall and it was that kind of that first experience that really uh, gave me a a bit of a bug for entrepreneurship I, i suppose and it's something that i've always had in in the back of my mind that i'd like to do and and in fact, when when it came to university and I had to apply for the internships, IBM was actually the only internship that I that I applied for. Um, and basically, my fallback if I didn't get the the role at IBM was to to create my own business. And I I sort of mentioned it to a tutor, not in any any real detail, but I, I said, look, this is what I'm thinking about doing. And then I thought I would 
use that experience to um to write a dissertation and and my tutor at the time thought it was a great idea um she did highly recommend that if I got the opportunity with IBM to take it but um you know it, it was an interesting idea if I didn't and yeah basically my idea for that business was to um I had a couple of friends that that were in the art school at, at university and they had fantastic artistic talent which always really inspires me and and kind of something I really admire um, but they create all these pieces of artwork that I think are incredible that just essentially just get left in a portfolio and my idea was to kind of work with the art students and use the kind of business studies um, experience and the, the business acumen that I'd developed from my studying to kind of maybe market their artwork and, and actually create some revenue for them um, whilst they were kind of creating the work that they had to do anyway so yeah I love it there's there's two things I'd like to pull out of that you've got the creating opportunities that don't appear to exist side of things because I think that absolutely is one of them you know I I was fortunate enough that IBM was the only job that I applied for um, on placement so I had my placement done effectively by by Christmas six months before I I started but many other people on my course uh, were you know it got to Easter it was getting towards exam time and there was a bit of panic you know there were less less roles available but that nobody was speaking about starting a a small business you know during that year Mm. the the university has said if you don't secure a placement job um, you have to sit out the year but none of the tutors even suggested or you could start your own that was nothing that came up so I I love how creative you were in in terms of that first and foremost but then secondly to to look at those skills of uh, of people that are different to yours so to look at the the art school side of things um, you know I I think it's 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 fairly well known that a lot of people in that community um, aren't necessarily the best at at selling their their products or they're not necessarily the right people to market their products that's not necessarily something that interests them they'd much rather you know sit with uh, sit with a paintbrush in many respects not all but many you know are, are much more comfortable in that environment rather than on the market you know selling their, their wares yeah so yeah. so the fact that you would go in and and use your skills uh from a, a business point of view and and apply that i, I think is wonderful yeah and I, it just felt like a, a potential that it was like a real win-win opportunity as well because obviously you know it was stuff that they they were creating anyway potential for them to make some money but also obviously the as the kind of business side of it i, I would take a, a percentage of that I hadn't really kind of worked out what the figures would look like but um and I also saw like all different areas where you could branch off as well like I had friends that were in a band and I thought well you know it's not much different from art to music and you could kind of become a bit of a a music manager as well and and look at those elements and it just uh, it's interesting it it would have been really interesting to see what would have happened if I hadn't got the role with IBM and gone down that path where that would have led me as well I I suspect my dissertation would have actually probably got higher marks because uh, it's uh, it would have been a a very unique way to do it and I, I actually think I sort of took the idea from I think I'd read some of Richard Branson's kind of um, autobiographies or, or some articles about him about when he created the, the student newspaper when he was at university um, and that's where he sort of started in, in his career so yeah it's always been something in the back of my mind and it, it's been 
a bit of a nagging sensation in the back of my mind, I suppose. And in many respects, that that's a positive thing, but it can also be a bit of a challenge because I, I like to think that I focus on my sales role and my um, my territory as a as a bit of a business within a business. So my territory, I, I sort of treat as almost like a profit and loss account. I'm uh, responsible for driving the revenue and then I have sort of different resources that I can pull in to to help achieve that revenue and uh, I know there's obviously massive differences between um, a sales role and, and actually creating your own business but it's um it, I, I sort of like to think that that entrepreneurship side is is beneficial um for the sales role you know I've come up with lots of different ideas of maybe a time to start a business uh, for example when I came back from Japan when I moved out of Japan I, I thought about running sort of bespoke snowboarding tours uh, in into Japan that was an idea that I worked on for a while but it was never really the right time to do it and and there was different things in the way and I, and I've got to got to say like when I read your book Rob it really helped clarify my thinking and one of the key bits of it was around what's the impact to your community, what your family, your, you know, um, what is the doing that impact assessment to the people around me um, has really helped guide my thinking about when and where might be the right time for me to start my own thing. And and probably it, it's probably still three to five years off if I if I'm completely honest I've I've got another idea that I'm keen to focus on you know I guess it's a watch this space sort of moment as to when when uh, I might create something but right now I'm very much focused on my my career with SAP yeah it's fascinating isn't it and I think the the timing is is really key and uh, I say the the impact factor is something that's come up from so many people already. You know, even though the book's only been out kind of six weeks or so when we're recording this in February, but uh, but but yeah, it, it's it's something that's so important, and I, I think the timing will never be perfect uh, for for people out there who have yet to take the jump, but there will be a, a window where enough things are in the right place. So be it financially, uh, family situation. Um, skills, experience, interests, and and when you're ready as an individual as well, because the, the, there is there is a fear to overcome. Um, there is, you know, a lot of challenges and a lot of things that you need to consider, as I say, in, individually and as a and as a family unit and as a group. So it will never be perfect, but knowing that something, as you say, with yourself, Bryn, you know, with it being three to five years off at the moment you can at least make small steps towards that to make sure that that three to five years doesn't stay that way in three to five years time, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's um, that's what I love about the book, if I'm honest. It's like I am taking those small experimental steps that don't risk anything as such. They don't impact my current job. They're just small steps of research, um, doing some work with uh, with a couple of um, friends as though they were clients. And I'm sort of doing, you know, bits and pieces that, that really help give me the experience that I need 
but not impact on my current role. And I like, you know, when obviously yourself, you you took the step before you, you your your first child arrived. Um, I'm I'm in the position where we've got um three young kids, and the, the youngest is only nine months. So right now, it, it you know we need to settle that, and I need the consistency that um that my and the stability that my my current career provides, which is um which is great. And you know SAP's been a fantastic company. Really enjoy working there, and I think they've got great ethos and for what they're doing. I get a kick. I, I sort of sell into the public sector organisations, so I, I sort of feel like I, I can see the benefit of what I'm doing as well um, for you know general public services, which is is great for me. And yeah, that's how I'm I'm sort of looking forward to the future really. And and um, yeah, it it really and I, I've really enjoyed the book and I've 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 really gained a lot. I think it's actually helped. Help me focus on my current career as well. I've had this last year. I've had one of the best sales years I've had um, at the same time as keeping an eye on the future potential business as well. So, I think that's that's a really good point. Is the first chapter in the book is called, or the first section in the book is called the nagging thought, and and it is a nagging thought. You know, it's for many people. It was for me before I started my business. It's, it's constantly there in the back of your head, and it can be a distraction. But now you've done that assessment and realize that the timing isn't right it does allow you to step back and focus um mm. on on your day job without that distraction you know yeah. so i i think that's that's a really really good point it's a very strong point completely agree yeah so looking at things from a slightly different angle i'd love to know what sales techniques and processes you think that you've used in a big business would apply for a startup and how indeed that that could work for somebody that's at the very start of their journey yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting question, Rob. I think there's loads. I think, you know, in, in many respects, sales is a profession and it's a career path. And quite often the people that start their own business haven't necessarily had the the training and, and background in, in sales. Often they're more kind of pro- product focused or idea focused. And, and sales isn't necessarily something that comes naturally to a lot of people. In actual fact, I don't think it's it's necessarily to be a really good salesperson. I don't think it, it it's a necessarily a natural skill. You can have natural attributes that help being open and, and being a good communicator. Those types of things um, are very good natural attributes. But it sales is something that is a it is a profession like any other that you do need to practice. You do need to keep up to date with. And you do need to kind of get yourself educated in, in terms of things that I would I would recommend. Um, that there's some great podcasts out there. There's one that I've listened to a lot called the Salesman Podcast, that uh, gives a lot of good hints and tips for people in 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 the sales industry. And it, it's very much about trying to put yourself in the customer's shoes i think i mentioned earlier earlier in the conversation that was one of the benefits I, I think i gained from living abroad you you get to see different perspectives um and you know the, that is fundamentally what what a good seller is it's someone who can listen well understand challenges and issues and and problems and then 
work out where there is a, a potential alignment of and, and synergy of where your your solution or service or product can can fit those challenges that the customer is facing. Yeah, I love it, and I, I think everything you've touched on there relates to to knowing the customer, doesn't it? And and having the right customer in front of you, because then the the whole sales journey is straightforward because you've got something that solves the problem that somebody wants solved. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's where you get a bit more strategic about your your sales um, strategies. Um, you, you can start looking about a target audience. And there's, there's especially when it's, I, this is again what I imagine, when it's your own business, there's not really much of a differentiation between marketing and sales when it's a, it's a you know a early startup you're, you're doing the same function effectively I, I like to think you know marketing is just for a wider audience sales is when you you narrow down that audience to your more likely prospects but yeah knowing your your customers is is very important knowing your target customers um is, is really crucial and and also I think one thing I would I would recommend for for people in the starting a business sometimes I think you have to look at what value a customer is going to provide you and and maybe turn down the opportunity to work with particular customers if if they're not the right fit for your business. In my world in the corporate world I I have some great relationships with customers and I have other customers where it's a real challenge to work with them and as a um, corporate employee, you know, I, I do have to work with all the customers that I'm aligned with, but I certainly have the ability to focus my effort on customers where, you know, we've got a mutual benefit to that engagement where I can help them, but they can also, you know, they, they are also looking to do business with me. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's a great point. And, and it, it works in so many ways as well. You know, I, I think that's it's universal advice, isn't it, regardless of the type of, of the type of business that you have, you know, and if, if those things are in sync, then the relationship is likely to be a positive one. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, you know, like I say, I mean, I've done, I've done numerous sales training um, courses at IBM I did their um, global sales school which was a six-month program um, and we finished off with a two-week um, sales masterclass which was um, residential so we all went away for two weeks and followed a case study from start to finish um, I've also done lots of sales training in Australia and you know further sales training with um, with all the companies that I've worked with there's there's a huge number of different methodologies a lot of different perspectives on the best ways to go about sales but fundamentally i think a good honest open relationship and and that ability to build long-term relationships is um is something that's crucial to any business really yeah that's great advice well thank you for coming on the show today Bryn. it's been it's been great learning more about your journey and exactly you know the exciting things that you could be doing in the future as well so there's four questions that i ask every guest uh, at the end of each episode and uh, it's a slightly different angle with you as you haven't started your own business yet but i, th I think it still applies and and certainly there's some of the, the the part of your journey that's on will still resonate with with others so uh, we'll ask them anyway. Uh, so, what's the what's the best piece of advice that you give for somebody at the very start of their journey? Uh, yeah, I think so. Try and try and find out 
what the impact is of that journey what is your goal what are you trying to achieve but kind of understand and and I guess this is the thing that I'm going through myself at the moment what is what is the the right time for you to do the right things it's a wide piece of advice I guess and it is no simple uh, solution but I think if you if you kind of ask yourself those types of questions then then it will help in 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 any journey for a new business no I agree and I, I think that's so important up front and it's paramount to to some of the early advice that I give in Project Future because I, I think it is really important to have those to get those things right and you know I'm, I'm glad that that's something that you find it valuable as well yeah absolutely so what do you know now uh, that you wish you knew at the very start of your journey? So be that, you know, back in university or, or whatever angle you want to spin on that. I guess um, the one thing that I, th- I think I've come to learn is that your kind of career and your almost your life path as well, it, it, it's sort of split up into kind of three to five year chunks. And there's a lot you can achieve in those three to five years. Sometimes one year is is too short a time frame and, and much longer than three to five years. It's, it's just too far out to really understand what, what's going to happen. But if you if you kind of look at what you want to do over the next three to five years, it's a really good time frame to think about what I want to achieve, what I want to do. Uh, where I want to be and obviously you've got to be adaptable lots of things happen that you can't predict and you know the COVID pandemic is is um, you know a, a clear sign of that I think that's the the impact of that has has taken everyone by surprise but if you've got a, a kind of goal for those three to five years then you can you can work around that and yeah that's definitely a, a, a bit of advice that I wish I could sort of go back and tell my 20 year old self, um, yeah, you know, look at what you want to do in three to five years and, and keep working around those timeframes. Yeah, it's a great point. And, and they're constantly shifting as well. So it, it doesn't need to be in huge three to five year chunks. I think it's it's almost one year at a time, perhaps, but constantly with an eye on on the future. And then you know, undertaking that review, after say a year uh, of the first year on that plan to you know check if you're on the right path um you know tweak it as necessary but then add an extra year on the end you know and then you're you're constantly in that positive cycle looking ahead but very much living in in the moment and and understanding where you are today yeah absolutely every year my wife and I sort of look at what we're trying to do in the the next year but you know that that three to five year time is a it's a moving moving time frame but having having that view in the future really really helps clarify what you want to do in the shorter periods as well no indeed and you've mentioned a couple already uh but is there one resource that stands out for you that you'd recommend for somebody that's thinking about starting their own business yeah so one that i listen to um it's a podcast called the startup podcast um it's by a company called um gimlet media and effectively it it chronicles their journey um creating a podcast company so they're a um it's a little bit meta in that respect that um it it looks at what you know their journey the very first episode is them sort of looking at raising money and and it takes you on over about five year five year period of where they um, where they started out and where they get to, and I, I won't spoil um, the the ending 
but yeah, Gimlet Media, if you, if you search for that, the startup podcast, it's really, really worth uh, listening to, I think. That's a great tip. And it's not something I've heard of. So I will be researching that and listening to that on my next run. Because great. that sounds that sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really, really good one. I find podcasts a great resource. I really do because they're, um, you know, when you're you're not able to read or you're not sat in front at a desk, um, you can you can have um your headphones in and you can take in so much with with podcasts that obviously you can't you, you can't read a book at that time or, or or whatever if you're driving for example. So um, yeah, driving, yeah. cooking, exercising, whatever it may be, you know, where you you don't need the video element. So no, I I agree. I think that's a, that's great advice. And finally, then, uh, is there a guest you recommend for a future episode of the show? Yeah, there's there's um, there is a few. I mean, I've got I've got some really great friends that have got startup businesses that I'd I'd love to put you in contact with, and and will do after this. But it, the one that really springs to mind, he's a guy who was my first sort of um, coach and and mentor at IBM, or first official sort of coach and mentor a guy called Neil Thubrin he's also written a book um uh, around uh, achieving big goals and it's it's really really inspirational book to me I mean, he's incredible what he's achieved he's won um he, he won a Yukon um arctic trail foot race it was, it was like 6 days trekking across the arctic in in uh, I think it was about 300 miles or something like that in really harsh conditions he's also done the marathon de sable um ultra marathon he was a very successful sales director at ibm but then moved into um his starting up his own business in um around consultancy and and also for ultra endurance uh running events as well he's got a, a company on uh and that um but the thing that that really strikes me about neil and why i'd really recommend him is one of the first things he kind of highlighted to me is that he, he puts his family first and yeah I think that's really admirable he's achieved so much but he's he's very much a family focused man as well oh that's excellent and uh thank you for that I really look forward to connecting with with Neil and hopefully getting him on a, a future episode of the show that's brilliant thank yeah. you and uh, and just finally then if people want to get in touch with with you uh how can they how can they best go about doing that uh, yeah, I guess um, on Twitter is um, Bryn underscore Emmons, if if anyone's interested. Uh, also on LinkedIn, and same. Yeah, feel free to uh, to reach out and uh, look forward to engaging with, with a different audience. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Bryn. As I say, it's been great speaking with you and I wish you every success with your future decisions, whatever in whatever direction they take you. Yeah, great. Uh, thanks very much for having me, Rob. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'm sure much of what Bryn said will resonate with you, whether or not you've taken the leap yet. Sometimes an opportunity, or the timing of it, isn't quite right, and we can only ever choose what we think is best, and what will allow us to be both happy and satisfied. Having known Bryn for 17 years or so now, the core qualities he has of drive and resilience will take him a long way in whatever direction he chooses in future. I really liked the point he made about how knowing the time isn't right now can give clarity and attention to what is important, which for him, of course, is his corporate job. Otherwise, nagging thoughts can prove an unwanted distraction rather than something that will enable change quickly. On the sales side, knowing your customer, ensuring they're the right fit and having an open, honest relationship with them 
will work for your mutual benefit in the long term, regardless of the type of business you have. On next week's episode, I speak with brand transformation expert and contributor to Project Future, Vicky Young, on taking the next step. So subscribe now to get notified of this on Tuesday morning. Thank you for listening. Until next time, keep launching and building those amazing businesses that give you satisfaction and balance.